Okay, so something that I definitely wanted to mention was that within the last week or so, really the last three weeks and specifically the last week or a few days, last few days, one thing that I've realized is that things have felt like they've shifted a lot. So for months, like things were not shifting because I was not allowing them to. And I constantly I questioned whether that was the right thing to do. But yet and still, I I held on tight to what it was because I had felt like I was getting a direct word from God that stated to, you know, focus. The devil is trying to pull you out of this. He's trying to pull you away and you're given you're being shown so much grace every single day that's keeping you where you are but you are slipping and you're slipping you're slipping back into sin into folly you're backsliding and you need to focus and you need to fight every single day to move forward and not back so that's what i have been doing i have been trying to do that and i'm still doing that but the problem is you know I'm slipping back into folly. I'm slipping back into sin. I'm backsliding. And I thought that, you know, a lot of times I knew, like I know, it's not that I thought anything about backsliding or folly. Like I never knew exactly what that technically looked like. I felt like it looks different for everybody. But for me, I realized that, you know, God was telling me every single time I was, but it just felt like it was too hard. It felt like it was so hard. So I would say that it's something more in general more vague you know pertaining to everyone but he's always specific when it comes to you so I realized that I was you know being a backslider but I tried my hardest not to be and it felt like I still was anyways and I knew how not to backslide but I also knew that you know as hard as I tried not to do that it just made me feel like you know, I will end up being worse. Like if I keep fighting this hard, if I keep going so hard on this, maybe I'll get a back a breakthrough or maybe I'll quit. Maybe I'll break. Like I don't want to try and fight so hard for a breakthrough and just break. And then I don't have anything. And that's what I didn't want to happen, even though I knew that God would have my back regardless. It's just the fact that I have been trying so hard. And how do you explain it? Like, how do you, you know, try and how how do you work through that? How do you work through trying so hard and still feeling like, you know, no matter what you do, every little thing is being. Every little thing contributes to something negative. And and then the positive, yes, every though every little thing contributes to something, but it's like it's just it's frustrating. Okay. So that's that's just in general. I don't like to say every little thing contributes to something because other people some people say that's a good thing. Some people say that's a bad thing. It's really depending on what kind of person you are. So I understand that. But regardless of anything, so I had gotten the word that you know it's like quicksand if you know what quicksand is i've always feared quicksand my whole life like i don't like to fear anything but i've always been 
extremely afraid of ever falling into quicksand because quicksand is so scary to me because you don't know you're in it until you're in it and then once you're in it the more you fight to get out of it the faster you sink and then you suffocate and you die slowly the worst death anybody could ever die i read somewhere that suffocating is the worst death that you could ever die worse than burning to death worse than anything is suffocating because you die slowly and i actually watched the science like the science behind it it's like your your lungs are desperately trying to find some sort of air or some sort of you know life lifeline and you just you swallow yourself pretty much and you suffocate you die slowly like i remember um, originally watching this and hearing about this and thought to myself like why god like why is this why are these type of things you know in life possible for anybody to even you know fall into why is this even you know why is this even possible in this world and i guess that was my naive mind because i was just so upset that that's even you know that that's even happened to people or that that's possible to happen to people i thought about all the people who probably suffocated and then let alone quicksand where they're frantic they are desperate and they are you know just probably that what's going through their minds is probably like what if, what if i done it got to get here what could i have what could i have done differently how much i haven't done in my life how much i have done and you know you're slowly dying suffocating and you're you're gasping at every little piece of life that you may have left and it's slowly slipping away from you while you you know think about the life that you've had and it's so sad and it's so depressing like i think about water like that i think about you know quicksand and i think about just suffocating period like that like and you know you might say what's you know what's the big point of that well the big point of that is quicksand okay so quicksand is just like that the more that you fight meaning you're fighting you're going off you're going crazy like you know let me find a way out your you know your arms are flowing your legs are flowing you're trying to swim in it the more you fight the faster you sink but if you just stay there and you just stay calm and you just say I don't know what you say in your mind, but whatever you say in your mind to tell yourself, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Don't fight. Don't be frantic. Even though you're sinking and you're going, you know, you're, you know, you have a possibility of dying. One of the most terrible deaths, suffocating in this quicksand and you may never be found. You know, you stay calm. You don't move and you have confidence and you have trust that you will make it out okay. And that's what it is with God. That's what it is with God. Period. When you're fighting with God, when you're fighting everything he's trying to do in your life, when you're fighting everything he's trying to lead you into, when you're fighting everything he's trying to show you, when you're fighting everything life is throwing at you, you sink faster. You die a slow and horrible and painful death. But when you trust God and you sit still and you be patient, and you just have confidence that you'll make it out okay. You have longer. You have better. You have a better chance of surviving. 
So God kept, kept excuse me, giving me the word of quicksand, quicksand, quicksand. And I always, 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 always hated quicksand. I've always hated quicksand. I've always said to myself, I wouldn't even be in some sort of desert or forest where quicksand would exist. There's a such thing as quick mud. But these things exist, you know, and I was always so afraid of these different things. And what we don't understand is you don't have to you don't have to actually physically, quite literally be in quicksand to be in quicksand. We are in quicksand in every single day of our lives. We are in quicksand with different situations in our lives. We are in quicksand with different emotions in our life. A different example of quicksand would be unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is quicksand. The more you struggle, the more you fight to not forgive them, the more you fight to be angry at them, the more you fight to hold a grudge um, towards them, the more you fight to not accept that you have to let it go in order for you to survive. The more you suffer, the, the, the longer you go without that survival, excuse me, that way out, the quicker you die, the quicker you suffocate, and you die the most horrible, most painful death because it stretches out. You stretch it out. When you're unforgiving, you stretch out your own death, your own struggle, your own stress, your own pain, your own anger, your own sadness, depression, whatever it is. You're stretching it out when you won't forgive them because every single time you think about it and you don't forgive them for whatever it is you're doing that they did or, or are doing. It's every single time you have to suffer for it. Think about whatever it is that they did. If you're angry immediately when you think about it, if you're sad immediately when you're when you think about it, or if you don't forgive them immediately when you think about it, you're torturing yourself every single time over and over again. Just like they tortured you the first time they did it, if not more, because it's growing over time. You have to let it go. You have to be patient. You have to somehow find that peace of mind and trust and have confidence that you'll make it out okay. Otherwise, all that struggling is only leading you into a faster death. People die young ages. People die at young ages due to unforgiveness. You might say, nah, I don't know what you're talking about. That don't even make no sense. Yes, you did not forgive maybe a father that you did not have. You did not forgive maybe a situation that wasn't ideal for you. Like maybe you were poor, you didn't have money. You did not forgive different situations in your life. Like, I don't know, abuse. Whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, or verbally. You did not forgive these different things. And you go through life every single day of your life, every second of your life. You are projecting. You don't understand that that issue, that problem, whatever it is that you are going through, it has affected every little thing that you are doing going forward. You think, no, I decided I wanted to be a big, great person, super rich and whoever, you know, and above everybody because I wanted people to worship me and I wanted people to see what I have and appreciate what I have so that I never get treated like I never had nothing, never again. And you don't see that. You don't see that you not having something has encouraged that behavior. And whether you think that's the right mindset to have or not, that's on you. 
But the fact of the matter is, the fact that you are letting your past shape your future is quicksand. You have to let it go. Why is letting your past shape your future quicksand? Because the past is a past and your future is what you make it. And if you're always letting your past be your future, then you'll never be different. You'll never be okay. You'll never come out of it. You'll never stop suffocating in whatever it is that happened to you. That's quicksand. And so a lot of times we are not able to see things unless it's physically in front of us. A lot of times we don't want to believe in God because he's not physically standing in front of us like our brothers or our sisters or our mother, or our father, or our friends. A lot of times we don't want to believe that this situation is what it is because we can't physically see it. But the fact of the matter is, it's there regardless. It's there. Whether you see it or whether you choose to see it or not, it's there. I am living that right now. I've always heard growing up, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. But you know what I've always felt growing up? You don't have to see it to believe it. Because it's a lot of things out here you don't see and you still feel. You still are affected by and you still have to deal with. White people believe that. Think about how white people say to themselves, not all white people, but a lot of white people say to themselves, I've never seen racial profiling. I've never seen, you know, prejudiceness. I've never seen racism. So I don't believe it exists. But does that mean it does not exist for someone who faces that? But you're saying I'd rather see it to believe it. Apply that to everything. Because guess what? Somebody doesn't see you. Does that mean you doesn't you don't exist? You don't always have to see things to believe it. So the problem with that is that we use things and use certain metaphors and certain terms a lot of times in convenience. If it affects you, if it applies to you, I get it. That's when you believe it. That's not your, you know, it's not, you're not always wrong. Sometimes we have limited mindsets. Sometimes we can't see the bigger picture, but that's what we need to understand first. You may not be able to see the bigger picture, but you need to understand that you can. Don't tell yourself, don't lie to yourself that you know all that there is, that you see all that there is, or that you understand all that there can be. Because you never will be able to, especially not in comparison to God, who does. So accept that first. Accept that you can't see everything, you can't know everything, and therefore, there's always something to learn. So keep your mind open. That doesn't mean, I'll believe it when I see it. And it also doesn't mean, you know, whenever whenever I get there is when that will become real for me. Let it be real for you now so that you don't have to learn some things the hard way. Another, you know, thing that I've always, you know, wondered about and I've always considered is if I'm so afraid of quicksand, then in order to conquer that fear, I would have to learn how to avoid it if ever in that situation. So how do you avoid quicksand? You learn everything there is to know about it, first of all. 
Where does quicksand, where do you usually find quicksand? Which could be anywhere, really. But how do you identify it before you get there? If you want to be specific, you would probably have to have some sort of stick. And have the stick like you're a blind person tapping around and making sure you're avoiding it. But when you become an expert, you may not need that stick. But regardless of anything, educating yourself is the first step. But also accepting the fact that you are never exempt from certain situations can definitely help you avoid quicksand. Meaning, don't think that's never going to happen to me. What are the chances I'll ever fall into quicksand? We are living in quicksand a lot of different situations in our lives. You don't have to be in a desert or in a forest or somewhere in a far off land in some far off country in order to have to worry about or avoid or prepare for a quicksand. Prepare for it now. Because little do you know, you learn about quicksand and you may not understand that you're already in it. This is so important because this is a word that God gave me. It's like quicksand. That's so sad. Do you understand how sad that is? When you're going through your life daily thinking nothing is wrong, all you can see is what you're doing daily and you don't see anything wrong with it. And despite anything anyone tells you, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, you still can't see the situation you're in. I've always said what's worse than knowing the situation you're in and not caring is not knowing you're in it at all. Imagine not knowing you're in quicksand until it's too late, as opposed to knowing you're in quicksand and not even caring you're in quicksand. I would say the person who had the bigger advantage is at least the person who knew. Because he had the decision to make whether he wanted to get out of it or not. You don't even know. You don't have a choice. When you don't know. Satan is counting on your ignorance. They don't know. They're not aware. This person says that God is not real. This person says that I'll believe in God once I can see God this other person says I'm doing fine on my own who needs God the worst part about your situation is not knowing it's all in the not knowing I remember when I didn't know what it was I was going through and I thought that nothing matters God would constantly come to me and say do you not care what you're doing do you not care the situation that you're in? And I would tell God, well, am I going to get caught right now? Is something going to happen pertaining to it right now? Am I going to be wrong right now? Well, then I don't care. And he would say, okay, you're going to see. You're going to see. I'm still not perfect. I still make those same mistakes. I'm still trying each and every single day. But you know what's better now? I see. I did not see. I look back at those times and I am distraught about how much I did not see. I'm distraught about how I just blended in. I'm distraught thinking about 
how I really just did not see anything wrong with that. I thought, what do you mean? How do you sound? I'm not getting caught. Nothing is wrong with this. Like, you know, I mean, something's wrong with it, I guess, to somebody. But if I'm not getting caught, nothing's wrong with it right now to me. And then I have to deal with it all later. And I don't care about later. It's so much more of an advantage to be able to see. And I'm not saying just physically. Mentally, you have to be able to see. When you don't know, something or someone is counting on that ignorance. You can apply that to anything. Anything you're doing, anything you've done, as opposed to when you didn't know to what you do know. Are you more grateful to know now? It's all about being able to see, and that's God. God helps you to see. And if he hadn't helped you to see, you would have died. You would have died ignorant, and you would have felt it wasn't fair. Or maybe you wouldn't have even realized how unfair it was, and that's worse. We have a responsibility to educate ourselves, but not only educate ourselves, to find the real truth and the real knowledge. And that's God. He's the only real truth here. When you deny him, when you go without him, when you find whatever reason or whatever opportunity that you have to rebuke him and choose anything over him you're denying the truth you're living a lie and maybe it's easy for you but it's definitely not better we have a responsibility and i pray each and every single day that the lord has shown me shown me that excuse me that he has shown everybody who needs to see him him as he has shown me him And trust me, I saw him before I could physically see him. You have to be made to see because the devil is counting on your blindness. He's counting on your deafness and he's counting on your ignorance. You have to be able to see. Now... A lot of us, we get into situations because we don't know that there are better opportunities. We don't know that there's better situations. We don't know that we could have taken a better route. And get like I said, what's worse than not being able to, what's worse than being able to see and choosing not to take it, the opportunity is never being able to see at all. Because at least you had a choice when you knew. You don't have one when you can't see. Don't you want an opportunity to choose? Don't let the devil choose for you. Because he's never going to choose for your benefit. Never. And I mean never. And if that's an issue to understand, if that's an issue that you are having trouble with grasping, just ask the Lord to show you. Because if you're so confident in anything outside of that, then you you shouldn't be afraid. Of seeing whatever it is that he has to show you. And if you are, if it's not about being afraid, then what do you have to lose in just knowing? We 
we have to take responsibility and we have to be made known because the devil he prowls around like a lion seeking whom he may devour and guess who usually are the targets to a prowling lion the ones who are ignorant the ones who do not even know they're being watched the ones who cannot see You might want to be made aware. You don't want to be prey. And another thing that's been on my heart is that once you're made to see, you're no longer prey, but a predator. A predator to the predator. When you're able to see. And it starts off, you know, because it doesn't start off as you being a predator. That That's what comes with the practice. But like I said, anything you're doing in your life, you're practicing. So once you become a prey that's able to see, at least you can see the predator when he's coming. You practice that enough and then you're the predator. Trust me. So just be aware Look for knowledge. Look for the truth. And the only truth is in God. Ask him to show you. Ask him to unblind you. Ask him to open your eyes. Cure your blindness. We are nothing without him. Now, that being said, I was going to end this episode really early make it a short episode but i want to talk about a couple other things so recently i just remember just i remember a wedding so i talked about this wedding i was in and i felt like it was my friend steven and tamron so the thing about this is it wasn't steven and tamron they're getting married soon too and there's a bunch of different people getting married in this time i've noticed like there's been a bunch of different marriages i'm so happy for them that's so amazing like Praise the Lord, because I know he's working in each and every single last one of our lives. If he's creating marriages, because, you know, Satan Satan hates marriage. He loves fornication and he loves, you know, you know, he, he just loves anything God. He loves he loves anything God hates. So praise God for these marriages, because I know that's God working in our lives. A marriage is a godly covenant and he'll always make it work as long as you take that first commitment and you stick to it and you seek him. He's amazing. No marriage can last without him. So I praise God. So regardless of these things, though, you know, I've noticed a lot of these things been happening. I've been getting a lot of messages like marriage, you know, wedding you know, engaged, all this other stuff. I've been getting these messages and they've been sneaking up on me. They're not all the time where I'm like fixated on it, but it's been sneaking up on me. And I I can't even say that up until this point, I have been fixated on marriage because I haven't. Not even when I was a kid. I was never, I spoke about this a bunch of times. I hate keep repeating it, but I was never the little girl who was planning her marriage out as a older woman. And that's not, there's no shade to any woman who's done that because honestly, that's you, that's your personality. And honestly, you know, you're great. You're really great for that. You know, I just never was that girl. But regardless of anything, I think that the the reason why I may had may not have been that girl was because I was just too I think that I was so now I don't want to say so sure, but I would just say that 
I just knew that things, life is unpredictable. Things are unpredictable. And when it comes down to it, there's no way to truly plan something that God already has planned. Unless, you know, you're going according to his plan. And that's that's if you're blessed enough for him to have revealed that to you. Even then, you don't really know how he's going to work because his ways are not our ways. So I was never the type of person to, you know, super plan things like that. I just... I guess I trusted God enough. And I would say whenever it came to these different things, I would say, God, I know you're going to figure it out for me. Because when it comes to me, there's no way I actually, I would ever be able to plan or understand how that's going to work. Only because I was telling myself, you know, I'm this person now, but who's, who's to say who I'll be then? I'll still be me, but who's to say who I want? Who's to say who I'll end up with? I can't plan that. So I'm leaving it to you, God, because if it's up to me, I will have no, you know, I'll mess it up. Maybe I won't mess it up, but I'll, I'll, I just don't have any idea how that's going to work out for me. And that's honesty. That's honestly because there's a lot of different people who I maybe could see in that way or maybe could see in that position. But a lot of times it just didn't fit enough for me to truly accept, not accept, but fixate on that. So that's that it's a lot of other reasons pertaining to that but that's another story i noticed recently that you know in the vision i was a bridesmaid i was such a beautiful bridesmaid i remember everyone telling me that the little girl in the vision i talked about previous episode she kind of looked like me a little just slightly but not a lot you know definitely didn't look like she was part of my family but could have been so I thought it was my friend Steven because I saw my friend Steven and my friend Tamron from elementary school and a vision before that. I was hanging out with them, etc. And then I find out, you know, it's not them. I thought it was because she had a big rock on her finger was getting ready to be engaged. But I knew, even in the vision, I knew after I woke up that their their wedding wasn't that soon. It wasn't within the next three days. Like, they may have had, maybe, I don't even know. I don't want to put a time limit on it, but maybe months, you know, before, you know, they were actually going to be married, though. So it wasn't that soon. And I did not never remember her asking me to be a bridesmaid. So it kind of didn't make sense. And not only that, I kept being reminded of a couple visions before that, of a couple days before that, where I had um, met up with a friend from elementary school who we used to be best friends. We used to, you know, really, we used to be so much alike. I remember she had a twin and I love the fact that, you know, I've always loved being friends with twins. I always wish I had one. And, you know, her twin was a guy, but they really do look exactly alike. But, um... They are fraternal. And, you know, he would, I remember he would always be more outgoing than her. Like, not outgoing, excuse me, I'll take that back. He would always be more transparent than she was. And, you know, certain times I would wonder, like, what is it that, you know, what is the reason why we're not getting along? Or what is the reason why, you know, I wouldn't wonder. I kind of would know. But at the same time, it's like I still sometimes wouldn't understand why we weren't as cool as we should have been. What it was that I did that, you know, kind of. I feel like sometimes ticked her off a little bit also as well as sometimes you know I don't know sometimes I was just very 
oblivious to you know how she would act sometimes like sometimes like we would eat lunch together every single day but like certain times you know you know she just didn't want me to be there or she would say you know don't worry about her to her to her twin like we don't care you know and I realized that like looking back I realized it was me and my you know I'm not even gonna lie like my growing just desire to want to be part of the cool crowd so-called cool crowd and I didn't even realize that that was affecting her as much as it was but I think you know if anything if I had to make up a reason not make up a reason <laughs> I don't want to tell me a reason but I had to explain why I think it had a lot to do with the fact that a lot of times people would always recognize me from my brothers and sisters they would always recognize me from them but they wouldn't recognize me for who I was so I felt like maybe in order to be recognized for who I am I have to you know somehow do whatever it is that they're doing to be recognized and I hated being called such and such as sister I hate it. That's how people recognize me. Oh, this is that's such and such a sister. Don't even know my name. So I started wanting to be in around crowds where like they would start recognizing me for my name and not for just being their family member. I never really truly needed that, but I felt like that was just something I wanted to see for myself. And I think that it affected them because usually I never cared and I would just hang out with them and it never mattered. What other people are doing, the only time it bothered me is when they started to recognize me like that. Other times, I just hung out with them and who cares what everybody else is doing? Like, we're good. Like, I mean, yeah, we notice it, but we're we're good over here. We're who we are. Like, we naturally gravitated towards each other. So that's just what that is. So I'm not blaming them. And I don't want to put any type of responsibility on anybody else. Like I said, I take responsibility for my growing pains and, wanting me, and me wanting to see what that's like and wanting to be part of that you know, cool crowd. I even talked about this in a previous episode when I talked to God about this and why I felt like I wanted to, you know, be a part of a so-called cool crowd, cool crowd and how God told me that I need to be myself and that I will appreciate that later. And I did go that way anyways and ended up regretting it. But regardless, I mean, I don't regret anything, but it definitely was exactly God said it was going to be, which was not worth it. But regardless, though, you know, I didn't realize every single time I did that, that I hurt my real friends. I hurt my real friends doing that. And I think that that's one of the main things I feel like rubbed off on me in the wrong way. Based off of being part of or being, you know, just noticing different things and being influenced by different things in my life. I genuinely 100% believe that if that wasn't you know, influenced, if that wasn't like pressured and, you know, placed on me, making pressuring me every single day, that I that never would have been me. Like I know who I am, I know how I am. I would have been a hundred percent me unapologetically if that wasn't, you know, influenced or pressured onto me. I know that. And my family can be very influencing and pressuring a lot of times. But a lot of times that's it doesn't matter because I take responsibility that regardless of anything, I've never ceased to be able to be who I am and and not let them pressure me into being anybody else when that's what I want to do. So I'm not going to make them. T I'm not going to take, you know, I'm not going to put the responsibility off on them. That was still my choice. So I didn't realize how much it affected, you know, my friends. And that's what it was doing. And I remember one day. You know, I came out from school. It was middle school. I was coming out the front door and I was about to, usually I would walk home with them. No, they would actually get rides home, but I would always meet up with them right before I walked home. 
I wasn't that far from school. I was like uh, less than a mile away from school. So you couldn't get on a bus for that. But they got on a bus because it was a little further. So um, I would always meet up with them right before I went off to school. They would always, I feel like, be right there before they get on the bus. And I would talk to them before they get on their bus. But then I started not caring about that. I started worrying about catching up with the cool crowd or hanging out with them to walk home with them because they were walking home. One day I did that. And my best friend, which was my best friend, but I didn't want to call her my best friend because I didn't know if we were really best friends. I would call her my best friend and I knew that we were best friends, but we would never say, hey, best friend, you know, so but I knew that, though. But, you know, my best friend, you know, she would be like my best friends because it was both of them. They were twins. But um, she would one day I came outside and she was just like, you know don't say anything to her he was like hey 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 waving me down and at first i you know i would never just ignore him though but he was like hey 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 he was waving me down and then she was like no just don't say anything he she was nudging him and like tapping him like don't don't call her over here and i didn't know why that was the first time i ever seen her react and i didn't know why she felt like that but i kind of put it together right then like okay so i'm affecting her you know this is affecting her and I didn't realize I was affecting her that much. But I, I think that the main reason that I felt like it didn't really affect me that much in that moment was because I already felt like, you know, our 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 friendship wasn't what it was anymore. So I walked up to him and I said something to him and I was like, you know, hey. And I said, hey, to her and just like usual and stuff. And then he was just like, you know, yeah, you know, hi, how you been? You know, everybody went home to just regular conversation. And then he was like, don't mind her because he noticed in my face how it was like, why isn't she talking to me? Why does she want to like, why is she like kind of like turning her back on me? And he was like, don't mind her. You know, she is a little upset. And then I remember that day. He's so funny because I never, I never saw him as this, you know, you know, observant or just wise. But in that day, he really, he really showed me, you know, how wise he truly was when he said, you guys are so much alike don't mind her you guys you guys oh, I tell her all the time and we that you know you guys a lot of times clash because y'all are so much alike and I never even recognized it till he said it it's amazing how I wanted to know that and I wanted to see that but I just couldn't like I, I'm like I'm not gonna just say that but when he said it I was like you know what you're so right you're so right. But at the same time, like, I didn't want to just automatically say that because a lot of times, you know, it feels like I see it, but I don't know. It feels like she, you know, I don't want to lie, but it seemed like a lot of times she was hiding that part or hiding that fact that she also saw that. But me too, I was too. So when he said it, you know, she got a little mad at him. Like, why would you say that? And stuff like that. And they argued a little bit. I, you know, I didn't usually see them arguing a lot. They really didn't argue a lot. But, you know, they did she did you know no nah, I'm, I'm not gonna lie i saw them argue a few times but regardless though they didn't usually argue a lot in front of me and that time i saw her like why would you say that and stuff and you know she got a little upset about it and i realized in that moment we really were so much alike and that's why i didn't notice that she was affected by it i would never let somebody be able to see that i was affected by something like that and that's also why you know I noticed that she wasn't ever the type to, you know, wave me down and say, hey, you know, why aren't you noticing me? Why are you so, 
you know, adamant about being friends with them. We're your real friends. I would have never done that either. We were so much alike and I didn't even want to accept it. But at the, in that moment, like I appreciated him so much for how much of a good friend he was and she, and she was. But just, you know, him being, you know, just that little bit of different than her, even though they were twins. Like it mattered so much because I needed to hear that and I needed to be able to see that from his perspective because he never did that. He never was. He never was offended by it. He would always, I don't know if he was ever offended. I won't lie. But I would just say he always was super open about how much he cared that I was their friend. And he would always make it very clear that he wanted to hang out with me, whether I was like that or not. So, you know, he never stopped being my friend. Neither did she, but he just was more open about it. So that was super relevant. And in my like, what's the point of that now? Only because lately I've realized who my real friends really were. I've always told myself I've never had real best friends. I've never had a best friend, a real best friend. Like I've called them my best friends, but were have I ever really had true best friends since I was kid like since I was a kid that I've really grown up with? Like the rest of my um family? No. And the thing was, I did. I was overlooking them. I was overlooking them. I just wasn't, you know, accepting it. So they were. And when I look back, it's like, duh. But it's like, it's amazing how I was able to not see that. But regardless, all that to say that it was, I found out it was her wedding. I looked, I looked it up and I found out it was her wedding because the one thing I was wondering is, would I really be a bridesmaid in Tamron's wedding? I knew Tamron. I remember Tamron. But, you know, I just, I felt like I didn't remember Tamron enough for her to ask me to be a bridesmaid. But that happens. But I realized that in order for me to be a bridesmaid in anyone's wedding, I would probably have to be very significant to them. You don't just ask anybody to be a bridesmaid. You know, you have a bunch of family or a bunch of friends. And even if you don't, you know... I don't know. It's just I've never seen somebody ask someone to be a bridesmaid that wasn't significant to them in some way. So me being a bridesmaid in someone's wedding, I never saw that happening because I did not ever see me being that significant to someone like that unless it were probably a family member. But I found out that, you know, it was actually her wedding and she asked me to be a bridesmaid in her wedding. And that makes absolute sense. We were best friends all throughout elementary school and middle school. And you can even probably add high school, but it wasn't like we weren't talking as much as we should have been. So I don't know if you would add that, but I'm just adding high school because we never stopped being best friends. And I'm realizing that now. So that being said, you know, it makes absolute sense that I was her bridesmaid in her wedding. And that's so touching. That's so touching. And I never thought that I would be able to experience that or be able to you know, I never thought I would be able to be that person to ever experience what that really truly felt like to, you know, be asked to be somebody's bridesmaid, bridesmaid and be all teary eyed. Like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you asked me and just be so happy and everything. And that was beautiful. And she was such a beautiful bride and it was such a beautiful wedding and everything was gorgeous. And I'm so grateful. I'm so, 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 so grateful that, you know, to experience that. And to have been asked to be a part of that. And to, for God, to just, you know, really be revealing. So revealing and so understanding and so trusting. So trustworthy to show me 
that, you know, I've always had that. I've never liked that. If only I could see more clearly. So it's so important for us to be able to see. It's it's so very important for us to be able to see because the devil is always counting on your ignorance. And as long as he can, you know, convince you that something isn't what it is, then he's able to, you know, play on that. He's able to move and, and, and maneuver in different areas of your life and get you to believe that you don't have, you know, very significant relationships like that. And these kind of relationships, little do you know, actually shape, you know, the kind of person that you're going to be. The love that's involved in these relationships is so very powerful. And as long as the devil can get you to ignore or lack these things, he's able to take things from you. And it's so important. It's so important to to cherish everything that these things are. Regardless of anything. After figuring that out. So, all day, I felt that I've been fighting. I felt that I've been fighting and being reminded of my hometown because I miss it so much. And I've been reminded and I feel that, you know, the Lord is reminding me and saying to me, you know, they miss you too. And you have love no matter where you are. They love you no matter where you are. And just because you're in another place or another state, that love extends no matter where you are. It's such a beautiful thing, regardless, though. So um, another thing I noticed is that I talked about in a previous episode how I had this just heaviness on my back, like right behind my neck, on my shoulders. And it felt like just a big, thick darkness, a dark cloud of heaviness. And it was so straining and stressful. I talked about how in a previous uh, I, I saw a video in a previous episode. I talked about how I saw this woman's testimony. She talked about how she had did something called Reiki. Reiki. Excuse me. R-E-I-K-I. And um, she was a yoga instructor or something like that. And this Reiki, a Reiki, invited demons into her life. And she had such a heaviness on her shoulders until she finally went to the church. Someone prayed for her. And she said immediately, it felt like the Lord lifted it from her shoulders, right from her back. Immediately just lifted it off of her. And she felt this weight be lifted from her. She cried. And she said how it was just so refreshing and so relieving and just so beautiful how the Lord just relieved her of everything. Ever since she's had, she has dedicated her life to the Lord. I had this heaviness on my shoulder I, for a second last year. It was removed. The Lord said, "I will give you I will give you a break. Just uh, just 15 seconds." And that's all it was off of me for, just 15 seconds. It was such a heavy it's such a heavy 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 burden that, you know, I a lot of times felt like, you know, you know, why why do I have to deal with this and I wish that, you know, it could be off of me for more than 15 seconds and I watched this woman's testimony I thought to myself I wish that that could be me I really wish that the Lord could relieve me 
you know, forever like that. I, I deal with this every day and it's like it feels like it's never going away. So I also talked about, you know, last year how I fought them off of me. Well, the Lord fought them off of me, but I ended up having to help him. It was a bunch. I was plastered to the wall. It was a bunch of them until finally the last one was pulled off of me. And I pulled some. I actually ended up after that pulling one off of someone else. And I felt like they were gone ever since. But he did tell me to be careful because it's the different things that you do in life where you invite these demons to feed off of you. So I do still feel it on my back. But all I know is I prayed and felt like it was being lifted. I felt like it was being lifted just a couple of days ago, maybe two. And I just felt like it was being lifted. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Like, it's finally going. Like, will it, will it be gone forever this time? Will it be gone forever? And all I know is I saw Marcus Rogers praying so hard for me and rooting for me so much and crying for me. And I already knew he was like this. I talked about this. He's a real true man of God. I've known that God has shown me this. But I also, you know, made the mistake of, you know, mentioning how it felt like a lot of times he was, I don't, I, I pretty much said that it felt like he wasn't where he was supposed to be or either he wasn't on a certain level they should have been on or sometimes he seeks validation in certain areas which keeps him from being on a certain level and whether that's true or not, it doesn't matter because I've never mentioned that before because of who he is and how it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter based off of who he is and I don't want to say that that means it's true or anything. You know, like I said, you know, you have to take the log out of your own eye in order to remove the speck from your brothers, which means that I, you know, I may not even be able to see clearly enough to even speak on that. And that's a fact. That's honest. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, you have to be able to, in order to help someone else, you have to help yourself first. And you'll never be done doing that. So, you know. To pass judgments is, is a big thing. But regardless of anything, he's always been such a supportive driving force, I feel like. And, you know, I, I want to say my life, a lot of people's lives, but in God's will. So, you know, with that being said, you know, I, I saw him crying for me and just wanting me to have that so much. He just wants me to have that burden lift off of my shoulders so much. And I know that he's been praying for me. I know that he's been rooting for me. And I've also been praying for him, rooting for him. Like, I know that if he has this, you know, um, this building, this church, this school that he is uh, actually, I think, about to have. That he will be one of, if not the best candidate to ever run something like that. Like, he's definitely going to do so great. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. A lot of people, you doubt whether they would be fit if placed in bigger, better situations. And I never doubt that for him. I never doubt whether he will, you know, do well and be great. I also want to say that for my friend, I never doubt that her marriage will survive. I never doubt that she is great where she is and the man that she has is great for her and that they will be happy forever. And I don't doubt that she's a great person as well and who she is to me. I don't doubt that, you know, Marcus Rogers will be, you know, less than amazing for this position. And I'm so grateful, you know, that God would ever place you know, people like him and people like this, people like her, 
in my life that supports me. I talked about in a previous vision how both of them have shown, you know, that they were on my side when it felt like everyone else, you know, were was trying to get a laugh out of it. Everyone else was trying to get, you know, you know, just were trying to hurt me or were just trying to get ahead selfishly without even worrying about me. And they showed that they cared. Marcus Rogers said to me, if you don't have a family, you have one with me. And my friend told me that I know who you are. You've made history. And she showed me that a lot of different people will not be, you know, secure enough to or just love you enough to acknowledge who you are and who you're going to be. But that'll never I'll never be one of them. And I appreciate her 100 percent. She's amazing. And so is Marcus Rogers with extending his family. He reminds me of that scripture um, about king i believe david when he reached out to don't quote me i'm sorry i might be messing this up or mixing it up when he reached out to um, one of his old friends son who was lame i believe in his legs and he invited him to come live with him and gave him everything that his father, you know, all of his father's inheritance. And he ate at his, at his table every single night like a son. He treated him like a son, even though his father had perished. And he reminds me of King David when he does things like that. Like, you will invite me to eat at your table with your family every single day like I'm family. And you would never look at it as anything different. You would treat me like family. And that's exactly what he reminds me of. He reminds me of that scripture. I love that scripture. I love that he is an embodiment of that in many different ways. But a lot of things, though, you know, is that I feel like, you know, I was I'm, a lot of times like I feel like I don't want to take things out on people. I don't want to make it seem like I'm taking things out on people or that when things aren't going as I plan them to go in my life, that I am affected so much that I want to affect others. And I do still do that. I'm not saying that I don't. I'm wrong in that way. But I don't intend that. I, that is not my intention. Like, to be 100% honest, I just want... Excuse me. I just want everybody to be great. Every time the Lord tells me about his plans for someone in their life, I am so, 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 so happy. So for it. I am so, you know, on board. I want to do everything that I can to see that happen for them. I want them to have everything that's ever meant for them. And God, I'm telling you, the God's plans for people are so abundant it's never like anything you'd ever see for them even if you wished and wanted everything you could ever see for them it's so much bigger than anything you can think or imagine and every time i want that i cry i beg i plead i pray thank you lord please let them have that please 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 let them have that lord i want that for them they deserve it and regardless if I can see that they deserve it or not, they deserve it. We all deserve to be happy. We all deserve to be at peace. We all deserve to have everything we wanted in life. And I couldn't see myself rooting for anything but you having that. Because even if I felt that you were not the right person or you were wrong, I know that you having that will most likely change that. Because what the Lord wants for you is for you to be made right. 
He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be righteous. And he wants you to have everything so that you don't ever have to not want everyone else to have everything that's for them too. When you're so happy, when you're so at peace, and when you realize that, you know, you've gotten everything that God has for you, you just want everybody to have everything that God has for them as well. You're too abundant to be upset. The Lord told me by the time he's done with my life, I won't be even the kind of person to say, see, I told you so. I told you I'd be here. Look, I've proved so much to you. I've proved you wrong. And look at how you look now. I bet you, you know, look at me now. You know, the Lord said I would be way too happy, way too abundant and way too at peace to not want anything but the same for everyone. Everyone else outside of me, everyone else around me, everyone, period. Because when you're truly abundant and when you're truly happy and when you're truly at peace, you don't wish bad on nobody else. You only wish the best for them. And if anybody else is wishing bad on you, you only feel bad for them. And you only wish that they could be in the position that you're in to be as abundant as you are from God, by God, so that they can see what it's like to be so abundant that you only want the best for everybody. Because when you're truly happy, when you truly have everything that's set out for you, there's no room for anger. There's no room for hate, misery, bitterness. Or you don't ever have a point to prove anymore. All of that is washed away with the blood of Jesus. I'm telling you, it's true. He told me that you're not, when you get to the point you're going to be at, you're never going to say, I told you so, I told you I'd get here. Even though you're so far past, which you said you do. You'll never do that because you'll be so happy that, you know, rubbing something in someone else's face, that is a signification of unhappiness. That's not real peace. And to have real peace is to want everyone else to have it too. My dad always told me this. And... I knew that he was right, but I just couldn't see it in the position I was in at the time. But when the Lord said it, you know, I knew he was right. I trusted him. I believed in him. And that's what I decided to count on and look forward to moving forward. And I started getting myself in the position to be that kind of person, to be able to do that. But in reality, you know, the whole time. It really wouldn't matter who I was at the time, at the moment, because he said that's who I was going to be regardless. And the Lord always gets his way. But I remember Michael Jordan told me the same thing. He told me, when you're truly happy, and I always think of him. The reason why I'm bringing him up is I always think of him when I think about this. When you're truly happy and abundant and blessed by God, you just want everybody else to get it. You don't ever say, aha, and your enemies are no longer your enemies. You don't have anything, you know, that you want to rub in anybody's faces. You just want the same for them. And you feel bad for people who don't have it. No matter what they do. Because you're too blessed to be upset about anything. So, that's, you know, I see it in him. I see it in Michael Jordan. I see it in, you know, he's even shown me the age and position he was when he when he finally realized that, you know, I think it's beautiful. I see it in him. I do. He may be misjudged. He may be mis, you know, like mis people might be getting his character misconstrued, but I know who and how he is. God has introduced me to him, and I know what that's like. I pray that for everybody. 
And you know that, and it's not even about that because I feel like I don't want to slip back into anything by saying that you know how to recognize them when they're not doing stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is, by the time they get there, by the time anybody's there, you just wish and pray that everybody's there. You want everybody to have that. I want that for everybody. I want us never to ever, none of us to ever be covetous or jealous, envious, any of that of anybody's anybody's life because we have everything that's for us by God. So I pray peace and abundance on everyone. And if, and if I ever exude the kind of personality that is opposite of what I'm saying right now, I just have yet to get there and I pray everybody gets there with me.